Father, we are grateful that you are, that you are a father of a family that goes all the way around the world. And just as we gather today to hear your word, to bring our prayers and praises, to celebrate your supper, we, we know and we experience a reality that, that there are billions, billions of others in our family who are coming together as part of the church today. Lord, we ask that you open our eyes this morning. Help us to see and to experience your word. Help us to see and to experience the reality of your people. Lord, we ask that you send your spirit and continue to transform us as, as individuals, as a small C church here at Faith, and as the big C church, the global church. Help us to be your witnesses and your people. Amen. So this morning, we're continuing the One Healthy Church series. Pastor Stan Mast, our healthy church coach, kicked this series off at the end of April. I did a couple series or a couple sermons on Ephesians 4. We started with looking at, well, looking at how Christ makes us one and thinking about how we live as God's church family. And, and then we talked about how the Lord makes us healthy and how Christ's descent and then ascent to reign over all things shows us the way to become truly healthy as people and as a church. And today we're going to talk about the church. What is the church about? How do we function as the church? And obviously that's a big topic. We won't cover anything like all the things that we could, but that'll be our focus point for today, the church. And to do that, we will read from Ephesians chapter 4, we'll read verses just 11 to 13. So now hear the word of the Lord from Ephesians 4. It was He, that is, Jesus Christ, it was He who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. This is the word of the Lord. We're going to open today by talking about a couple of contemporary challenges in the church. First, celebrity culture, and also consumer culture. There's a really popular Christian podcast these days called The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. And that podcast is tracing the rise and then the fall of a Seattle megachurch called Mars Hill. It was led by Pastor Mark Driscoll. And in 15, 20 years, Mars Hill went from literally nothing, not existing at all, to being this huge megachurch with maybe a dozen campuses, 15,000 weekly attenders, tens of thousands of downloads of the sermons, to again, absolutely nothing. The church literally does not exist once more. And and the podcast tells that story. It could tell that story as a trashing of that church and Mark Driscoll and all of that, but it, but it doesn't do that. It tells that story. It's still in the midst of it. The podcast is ongoing. But it tells that story as a window into the American church overall. It's not about them. It's about us. It's about American believers. It's about the church and how we experience life and what we want and what we expect and what we, as a result of our desires and expectations, generate in terms of church life. And there is one particular quote from the pastor, Mark Driscoll, that keeps coming up in that podcast, and he's talking about his church, and he says this, and I'm quoting now, there is a pile 
of dead bodies behind the Mars Hill bus. And by God's grace, note that line, by God's grace, it will be a mountain of dead bodies behind the bus by the time we're done. You either get on the bus or you get run over by the bus. Those are the options. But the bus ain't going to stop. Now, sometimes in business literature, there's a lot of talk about you got to get the right people on the bus and then the right seats on the bus. And that talk has overflowed into the church, too, that we need to get the right people on the bus, the right people in the right spots. But, But this take by Mark Driscoll on that language is really disturbing. We should be disturbed by a pastor talking about a church functioning like that. I mean, wow, get on the bus or get run over by the bus. By God's grace, there will be a mountain of bodies behind this church by the time we're done. Wow. And yet after he said that at a conference, his church took off and they added thousands and thousands of believers the next few years. And and you have to ask what's going on with that. And I think one thing that's going on with that is, is celebrity culture that has come into the church. That we want our celebrities. We want our hero. We want the person that we can follow and say, hey, that guy, he has it right. And I am of his tribe. And and we, we, we are the real church because we have our celebrity. Celebrity culture, I think, is, is a hallmark of the American church these days. And another hallmark of the American church is, is our consumer culture. We all want church our way. And whether that means the priorities of the church or the style of music or the style of preaching or, or the strategies or, or who knows what. We want church my way. And if I don't get it my way, I'm going to hit the highway. We want it our way. We worship celebrities, and we prioritize our own desires for how the church should be. And there is nothing wrong with having gifted leaders for the church, and there is nothing wrong with being discerning about how we, how we live and how we function as a church, but I think that these are prototypical weaknesses of the American church these days, and, and I'd like to say that we at Faith and in the CRC are better than average, but... But again, as that Rise and Fall of Mars Hill podcast talks about over and over, this isn't just about them. It's about us, too. And I think the text that we read for today is a systematic dismantling of the idea that church should be about celebrity, or the church should be about consumer preference. And so we're going to walk through this text line by line, phrase by phrase this morning to see what God's picture for His church is. And to help us get there, I want us to actually take a moment and picture the church as a bus. So, and you can decide what kind of bus, school bus, Greyhound, whatever. But picture the church as a bus. And who do you put in the driver's seat? If the church is a bus, who is the driver? And let me tell you, it had better not be you. And let me tell you something else, it had better not be me. Jesus Christ is the only one who gets to drive the church bus. He is the one who makes the church go. And so we begin, as our verses for today began, with saying, Christ himself gave. Christ 
himself gave. This is where we have to begin. If the church is a bus, if the church is real, then Christ must be the one driving. This cannot be about what we have done or what we do or what any of us want. It has to be about what the Lord has given us. And I want to take just a moment here and do, do a, little bit of a little bit of an aside. But if you are here this morning or if you're listening in and, and you have not received Christ's grace and made it your own, if you are not wholeheartedly into Jesus, if you have not really grasped that Christ gave His life for you, well, let me tell you that Christ gave His life for you. And that, that is the reality that changes everything. That is the fundamental truth behind everything that we do here. If that is not true, then we had better wrap this service up right now and get out of here. But it is true that Christ came and He gave His life for all of us. And that is the reality that we have to come back to again and again and again. Christ gave Himself. But then as this text talks about, it's not just that Christ gave Himself. Christ brought us into His family. Christ makes us one as His people. But, but Jesus... Well, I haven't, I haven't seen him lately. I'm guessing you haven't either. He's not visible to us right now. But Christ has given leaders to the church to be his representatives. And so the text tells us Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. Christ continues to work today through the appointed leaders of his church. And I think, I think there are two equal and probably opposite errors that we can make with this. And one way is for us to under-respect Christ's representatives. We can look at the apostles and the prophets. We, we don't really think those offices continued. Those continued through the time of bringing the Bible together, and now, now they speak to us through the Bible. That's our op- apostolic prophetic word, but but evangelists, people who continue to bring the gospel to those who haven't heard, and prophets and pastors and teachers, excuse me, pastors and teachers, and that's literally shepherds and teachers, these offices continue, and they are Christ's gift to the church. And you can debate, and I haven't settled in my own mind yet, whether the pastors and teachers, shepherds and teachers there is just pastors or if it's pastors and elders. I, I don't know yet. Take your pick. But we can certainly under-respect office bearers in the church. We can do that. You know, I remember when I was probably eight or nine that the pastor of the church I grew up in, Pastor John Van Regemorter, said in a sermon once, you know, this next little bit you can disagree with me on, but generally you aren't allowed to disagree with what I say up here. And I didn't have glasses then, but as an eight-year-old I would have put my glasses down and said, really? A little bit full of yourself, aren't you? And now I stand up here and, well, I really try my best when I'm speaking up here to speak only what the Lord has to say. And, and so as long as I'm lining up with Scripture, you really, you don't necessarily get to disagree with what comes from up here. We really, 
need to respect those who Christ has given to lead the church. But you may have noticed that I had a little phrase there, as long as I agree with what the Bible says. There's a way we can under-respect church leaders, but there's also a way that we can over-respect them. You see, church leaders only have authority insofar as they act in line with Christ and in line with His Word, with the Scriptures. And if I say something that isn't scriptural, then you are free to disagree with it. And you're free to talk to the elders, and they come and talk to me and say, you know what you said? Don't say that again. Do better next time. Let's, let's work at this. In the CRC, just as a little sign of this, we say that ordination goes with the office. It's not that these people, these persons become ordained and then they are reverends for life and they have this status. It's, it's that as long as we as pastors, as long as we as elders, as long as we as deacons are doing Christ's work in the church, called and properly instituted by the church, then we represent Christ. But if I were to pursue another vocation, if I were to become an accountant or, or garbage man or, I don't know, stunt car driver, whatever, I would no longer be a minister because it is about representing Christ, not about having some special status on my own. We need to give due respect to these people who God has given to the church insofar as they represent Christ. But these people who represent Christ to us are not the focal point of the church. Christ is the focal point of the church. Christ gives these leaders, and then the job of the leaders as we continue in Ephesians is to equip God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. With that particular phrase, and even the way I've written it up up there says which way I go, but there's, there's two schools of thought. And one school of thought goes that Christ has given the leaders of the church and their job is to equip the church and to do works of service and to build up the body of Christ. And this school of thought, which is wrong, it is, this school of thought which is wrong is that we have certain people in the church, the ministers, or maybe a few people along with the ministers, and their job is to do the work of the church. And so they equip everybody and they do ministry and they build up the church. And that is flat out wrong. It makes the leaders of the church the drivers of the bus. And there is, there is a real problem there. Because if it is only the ministers who are, who are workers in the church, then all that leaves everybody else to do is sit on the bus and either praise or condemn the minister. Or whatever group we say, oh, those people are the people who really do the ministry of the church and the rest of us don't. All that leaves the rest of us to do is to sit there and say, wow, look at how he executed that left-hand turn. That man knows how to run a blinker. And wow, does he know how to get just the right amount above the speed limit so he doesn't get a ticket. Wow, that, that guy is a great bus driver. Or to sit there and say, wow, he breaks really rough. And that door squeaks. And it's just not right. If we say that all the work of the church, all the ministry of the church is done by the ministers, then the church doesn't really go. So I think that's an interpretation of this text that, that just doesn't make sense. It also, along with not making sense theologically, doesn't make sense grammatically. It just doesn't, doesn't fit. But the right way to read this text is that the role, really the role of evangelists, Shepherds, pastors, teachers 
Our role is to equip everybody else. I am not the one who does the ministry of faith. I am not. I am the one who has the role of equipping others so that all of us, so that all of us do works of service, so that all of us do ministry, so that all of us together build up the body of Christ. I think we saw this in a number of different ways the last couple of weeks when I was out for, with COVID. Um, you know, thankfully, I had a mild case. I just hung out in the corner of my basement and slept a lot, basically. And you know, at the beginning, I thought, hey, this is great. I have a lot of time to pray. I can listen to the Bible. I can sleep. And by the end, I kind of thought, man, this is like prison. When can I get out of here? But the church carried on. Pastor Dave continued with his work. Ashley and Nikki stepped up and did incredible things. The elders took on some things. And the church kept right on going. And that is what the church is. Not the work of the minister, but the work of all of those who serve the Lord. Now, some of us, maybe many of us, think that we don't really have such great gifts. We say, well, I could never, I could never preach. I could never get up front and, and pray. I don't have a good singing voice. I, I don't have anything to give. And that is simply wrong. We all have great gifts from the Lord. You might not always know what your gifts are, but you, you as someone who is part of the church, have great gifts to offer to the Lord and to offer to the rest of us. You know, most churches, most organizations kind of work on a 20-80 rule that 20% of the people do 80% of the work, right? And I think we do a little better than that here at Faith, but but I think we have a lot of gifts that are underactivated and underused here. And if you are one of those people whose gifts are maybe underactivated, underused, then I want to encourage you. I really want to encourage you to, to step forward and to step up. To ask the question, what do you have to give because of what the Lord has given you? And so how can you serve? And that might mean coming up front here. We're looking for more people to be part of the praise team. There, there are many ways to be involved up front, but there are also many ways to be involved that maybe nobody else will know about. Helping out with some food, helping out with leading this or that ministry, helping out in a thousand different ways. All of us have something to give. What is your gift to us? Now, I don't think the bus is a great analogy for a church. I think that gets too many people riding and really just one or two people doing things. Maybe, and I don't know if I have a perfect analogy for this, but the best I could come up with was a sailing ship. So picture, picture one of those old-time sailing ships, and you need a lot of people for those ships to go. You need a lookout to, to look ahead and to see if there's obstacles. You need people to bring the sails up and down. You need people to clean the decks. You need people to make food for everybody else. You need someone to, to go around and do repairs. You need someone to be the pilot. You need, you need a whole crew fully engaged for that ship to run before the wind like it's supposed to. And that's what we need to be as a church. Not people sitting back on a bus and saying, well, I guess the guys up front can take care of it. All just relax. 
What we need is everybody engaged with whatever your role is. And some of them are obvious and some of them are up front and some of them are, are hidden and quiet. But we need all of us to be engaged. And then we come to our goal. Christ Himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the teachers to equip His people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. There is a cosmic vision. There is a cosmic vision in this text that we are all invited to grab hold of. Christ gives people to the church. He gives pastors and elders and deacons to lead the church to equip the saints so that all together we grow into the measure of the fullness of Christ. This is a God-sized vision. God is developing a body for Himself that fits with the measure of Christ Himself. And this works out individually, church-wide, and cosmically. The Lord has made you part of His body. He has invited you and He has drawn you into this fellowship and He has given gifts, given gifts to you. And without your gifts, this church is the poor. So use your gifts. And then God works through us as a church. He works through us as as a small C church, as faith Christian reformed church, he, he gives us particular strengths and particular opportunities in this particular time. He calls us, and, and as we've talked about with our three E's and with our sense of who we are as a church, he calls us to be a biblical church and a caring church and a deep church. We have often stumbled at that, but that is what the Lord is calling and equipping us to be. And then the Lord has given the big C church, the church around the world, this, this gift as we saw when we saw the video about Mission India earlier, as we reflect about missionaries around the world, as we reflect about our own place here. The Lord has given us the gift of glorifying His name and praising Him. And what a gift it is to worship the Lord. And the Lord has given us the gift of proclaiming His salvation. The Lord has given us the gift of offering Him our service, and our small gifts given to Christ through His work change us and change the world. And that's where we want each of us to be, and that's where we want faith as a church to be, to be one healthy church, to follow Christ our captain wherever He directs us to go and to, to accept the roles that He has given to each of us and to continue to follow His direction. And we want to be powered by the wind of the Spirit blowing us forward in Christ's ways. All of us together working to keep the ship moving. Now we in the church, we in the church, we do actually have a celebrity and his name is Jesus Christ. And he is the only celebrity whose, whose power, whose fame, whose ability will endure forever. He is the only celebrity whose character we can completely count on. And so as a church, we have to keep looking to Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ, and this is one of the, well, even technically, it's one of the mysteries of the Christian faith. Jesus Christ does invite us to be consumers. 
Jesus invites us to be consumers. And not consumers coming and saying, my way and what I want, and that's how we're going to do it, but, but consumers of Christ's very own body and blood. We are invited through partaking in Christ to be drawn up into the presence of the Lord Himself, to be filled with His Spirit, to, to take Him into us in such a way that we truly become His body, His people. And we do not do this by claiming for any of us the status of head of the church. That is Christ. He is our celebrity. And we do not do this by by claiming all the resources for ourselves or by insisting that we get everything. That would be as if the ear or, or the foot were to say, everything comes to me and is done my way. But we do it as we all work together, receiving from Christ and giving to each other. Christ is our celebrity. We are invited to partake of Him, and so to truly live as the church. Let's pray. Father, as we come before You, we confess that in so many ways we are failures. As individuals, we often prioritize ourselves above You. As a church, we so often want what we want instead of what you want. We so often focus on, on anything and everything besides Jesus Christ crucified for us and your Holy Spirit given to empower all of us to serve as your body. Lord, we ask that you forgive us. Lord, we ask that you make us right. Lord, we ask that you help us as we hear your word and as we partake of your supper today to truly, to truly experience that your mercy is more than all of our sin and to truly experience that you, that you are our head and we are your body. Amen.